The Athletic. Hello and welcome to the TFO Football Podcast. I am John McKenzie and I'm joined, as is my want, by my good friend and producer, Mike Zimmerman. Mike, how's it going? I'm doing well, John. How are you doing? I'm doing really well and we have lots of fun things to talk about today. Topics that I think will interest you as a Liverpool fan because we are thinking about Liverpool, but we are thinking about Liverpool in the context that they are going to be without a manager in the summer, which is sad, but also exciting because there's plenty of opportunity to talk about potential coaches who could come in and take over from Jurgen Klopp. And one of the most exciting options, I think, is Xavi Alonso. I think a lot of Liverpool fans will know Xavi Alonso and will be excited about the fact he's doing really well in Leverkusen. But we are talking about what Xavi Alonso's Liverpool would look like. Well, yeah, and and I think for Liverpool fans, I think the exciting thing is, yes, not only do do we talk about what Xabi Alonso brings as a coach, what's his you know style and all that, but also with the current Liverpool squad, how do you tie Xabi Alonso's style with the current Liverpool squad? And I think it was really fascinating to talk about, especially the midfield where you know where does Alexis McAllister fit in? Does he stay at at the six? Does he move up to the eight? Um, is there going to be a back three, a back five, a back four? So there, there's a lot of different ways that Xabi Alonso plays. And talking about that in the context of the Liverpool squad was really interesting. And we have a real treat for people because we have two guests on today. One who is an expert in German football, Abel Mejarosh, who we've had on before. We spend 20 minutes talking about what we've seen from Xabi Alonso at Leverkusen this season. And then we move on to talk to Danny Corcoran, who is a Liverpool fan, uh, about what where Liverpool are at right now. So we spend 20 minutes talking about that as well. And then we bring both of them together to talk about Xabi Pool. What is it that Xabi Alonso's Liverpool will look like? And I think the best thing for us to do is to just jump straight into that conversation. Well, guys, thank you so much for coming on today. I'm really excited to talk to you about Xabi Alonso as potentially a future Liverpool coach. So what we're going to do is we're going to split our time into three parts. So we'll start off talking about Xabi Alonso, football coach, and we'll spend most of our time there talking with Abel. And then we're going to talk to Danny about where Liverpool are at right now and what we think they need from their next manager. And then we'll bring both of the guests back together to talk about what Xabi Alonso's Liverpool could potentially look like but I think the best place to start is by talking about Leverkusen's recent win against Bayern Munich which gave them a five-point advantage in the Bundesliga title race so Abel we'll begin with you we know that Leverkusen have been surprising this season in terms of their evolution from last season we've done a podcast this season on Xabi Alonso's Leverkusen but what about the game itself at the weekend how surprised were you by this game because it was a pretty comfortable win in the end for Leverkusen right? Yeah, for sure. I would say like um, big picture wise, I was definitely surprised by, I don't want to say like how easy it was for Leverkusen, but but that like um, in recent history, um, like anyone that's kind of tried to challenge Bayern in these big games, um, either whenever they won or there were like games where like, like Leipzig held them scoreless or, you know, Dortmund would win, but it would it would always be like either like a, chaotic game that they ended up winning or some sort of late drama and and but it was never like I don't really remember like any team um dominating controlling I don't I never know like which word to use now since Arteta um but but basically like just not really allowing anything uh for for this Bayern side and they didn't and I think the interesting thing is that they didn't necessarily do it at all with um 
with the ball. So they did it more out of position. Yeah, which I think is is interesting because I suppose Leverkusen have a good enough squad that you might expect them to be able to run away in games against teams that aren't Bayern Munich. But um, what what would you say in terms of the, how impressed you were in terms of the fact that they were able to just control the game without the ball, as you put it, out of possession uh, against Bayern Munich? And, and what do you think that that says about Xabi Alonso's coaching credentials? Yeah, I think it says a lot about the staff. And like after the game, they made a uh, pretty like big point about how Alonso and I think like Lukas Radetzky, the captain, like brought everybody out uh, to celebrate with the fans, uh, like sort of the ultras, and that included the staff. And then Alonso is always um, quick to kind of give credit to like someone like Sebastian Parilla, who's the assistant coach. And, and you can see him like he's on, he's not, I mean, even as the, the Leverkusen actually put out this video after the game, which is like marketed as a chubby cam. But as the game is like the final whistle is, is being blown and Frimpong is scoring goal, you can see Parilla is still like instructing the defense next to them. And yeah, so so this 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 and and even the players like are always raving about how much detail they go into in terms of the, the match plan. Tuchel actually uh, in the post match conference said that we just couldn't do it, like we just couldn't basically get through them. Um, and and he, he seemed. I didn't necessarily surprised, but but surprised by like how of you know I mean I think for eighty minutes they had zero point two xg so and then nobody res- nobody really does that to Bayern um, or if even if it does then usually Bayern kind of find a way to like score a couple of ridiculous goal and and in this game it was it was like they never even got near even when and Tuchel actually said this in the press conferences is by the end when when he brought on Thomas Müller and Kimmich and, and they were attacking with with six sort of attacking players. Even then, they couldn't generate big chances. Danny, I know that you've been taking a keen interest in the Bundesliga since Jurgen Klopp has announced that he's leaving at the end of the season. No doubt that is in some part prompted by Xabi Alonso um, being one of the favourites for the job. How did this game make you feel about the possibility of Alonso replacing Klopp at the end of the season? Yeah, I'm not a seasoned Bundesliga watcher um, but I have I think as soon as that was announced and your head starts to go to Alonso I've started watching it a bit more I think what I liked was I've seen a bit of Leverkusen before this he kind of made little tactical tweaks to nullify Bayern but also kind of stuck to the core principles about what Leverkusen are for so like he had Stanisic at, at right wing back instead of Frimpong to nullify Bayern's threat that worked really well as in Stanisic, who was on loan, got a goal and nullified the threat. Like it, and they, I liked how they allowed Bayern to come up a little bit into central areas and then like rapidly pressed them in the middle of the park. So yeah, I'm not, I've not seen a lot of Leverkusen. I've seen more than than I had in the past. But yeah, I think the the way he tweaked it while sticking to core principles is a sign of a really good coach. And I think that made me quite excited at the f- fact that he could come to Anfield. Well, let's start off by talking a little bit about Xabi Alonso. So um, we'll start at the very beginning. And as I've already mentioned, Abel and I spent half an hour talking about Alonso and his coaching career so far in a previous episode of the Tifa Football Podcast. That episode is titled The Bundesliga Surprise Packages. So do check that out if you want to find out a little bit more detail. We're just going to cover a lot of it in uh, broad broad brushstrokes here. But Abel... Alonso's rise to the top has been pretty meteoric. He was the B-team coach at Real Sociedad, head coach at Bayer Leverkusen, and now looks set for a job at the very top. In light of what we've seen from him so far, is it too soon for him to move to one of the biggest jobs in the world football? Yeah, I think that's sort of the general way to look at the question. I think it's interesting that, like, I have this thing where um, 
we always think of, or we used to think of players as like having linear development. But then I think now that model, like we've just seen so many examples from, I don't know, Erling Haaland to Florian Wirtz to, you know, Dominic Soboslai to, to whoever else we can name as, as they go in these jumps. And I think we're, there's like enough evidence with, with coaches as well. Um, particularly in the Premier League. I mean, you can go from, I don't know, Niraola to uh, the Terbi to um, whoever else you want to mention. Um, so why do we why do we kind of assume that, uh, like, there needs to be, like, certain benchmarks hit? And and particularly, I think, for, for Chabi Alonso, who's unique in the, in the case that I don't think it's ever really occurred to him that he wouldn't be a great coach. Just, like, and I'm not, I don't mean that in sort of, like, a cocky way. I just mean that in sort of, like, his upbringing you know he's talk, talked about how he wanted to be like his parents wanted him to be like um a decent person and he studied and then like football kind of came on the side but but it just seems like everything comes so easy to him and when you also look at like sort of who he i mean it, like you probably couldn't put together a a, a a cv in terms of who you studied under if you were wanted to be a future coach as as, as he did so i think in in, in those terms it's like I don't know. It's almost it's almost unsurprising, or like basically like I mean you know it's a cliche, but but as easy as it came, as the game came to him uh, on the field, um, and it still does if you watch the sort of Leverkusen trainings. Coaching is is almost coming just as natural to him, and 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 he talks about this a lot, where he talks about like you know a, a leader it needs to be authentic because otherwise the players um, don't follow you. And I mean Liverpool have had. Or I guess they still technically have Jurgen Klopp, who's probably the most authentic person in that sense, uh, and 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 Alonso just just has the same authentic era about him, although his personality like exhibits it in a different way. As I say, it's uh, just a five-year coaching career at this point. What would you say we've learned about his coaching from what we've seen so far from him? I think um, I think everyone kind of kind of tries to pigeonhole him and and sum him up as a part of who he's come up under, right? So whether it's sort of, um, you know, Guardiola or Ancelotti or um, the, the various other other coaches, right, um, as well. Um, Mourinho, I think, right? So, but but I do think that it's interesting that, like, uh, the Real Madrid um, youth team where he where he came through, and, and that's where he met um, Parilla, who's the assistant coach, that, that's the one guy that he's brought with him, is, is, is formative. Um, how he was like humble enough to uh, to start from there, but then also like kind of proud enough to say, okay, well, there's nothing for me there, and 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 go to Sociedad, and then and then at Real Sociedad as well, where where it was pretty clear that Imanol would be the guy that um, would explode, and rightfully so. Then he said, okay, well, it's time for him, time for me to try, and and he knew the Bundesliga, and I mean, if you remember the Gladbach interest was there. And and then I think Leverkusen have also, like Simon Rolfes has also said that they've they've wanted to get him for a long time. So I do think that um, you you learn from you learn about him that he's um, very sort of meticulous about the the way he plans his career. But but he's also not like a guy who necessarily like overthinks. And I think he's very good at delegating. He's very good at working within a system. Like like just to give you an idea. Um, um, I looked up to sort of the, the current staff from, from Leverkusen. So he's got Tarilla, the assistant coach, who we brought with him. But everyone else, like uh, the other assistant coach is the one that Gerardo Serrano had. Um, the, the, the fitness coach was, was the one um, who, who was um, 
at, uh, at, at Barcelona and then NYCFC and then Denmark. So that's another sort of um, one. And then the analyst group is, is they've been there for 10 years and he's willing to work with all of them. So it's not like a, you know, so it's not, he's not sort of a, like in that sense, he's not like a Mourinho type or, or, or a Conte who, who just wants to, he's, I think, and that makes him very attractive, I think, for really um, any, and particularly Liverpool as well, where, um, you know, he's, he's, able, he's willing to, to work with them. And the same thing with, with players as well. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about the recruitment impact that they had. And there's more and more sort of evidence that that he was a part of it, or at least like he definitely um, was consulted about which players they want to bring in. Um, and then as well as like sort of the charisma and the charm. And and I think um, El Freund in the magazine wrote a piece on him uh, September and it was like they des- they described it as it's as if it's like a, as a UFO landed in in Leverkusen, and it's and we know it's it's soon to depart. So so they know that it's a fleeting sort of uh, um, era with with him, but um, it, they just want to enjoy it as as much as they can. And it seems like he is also that way, and he's very very good at deflecting these kind of questions about his future. Um, and I mean, really, it's just it's just really really impossible to nitpick Alonso. He's been he's been uh, pretty much flawless, just as like I mean, you know, just as unbeaten, I guess, in some ways as, as Leverkusen. There's been a lot of people trying to predict what Alonso would look like at Liverpool on the basis of his current season at Leverkusen. But um, as you well know, there was a big change between Leverkusen this season and Leverkusen last season. So, what do you make of this, and what do you make of Xabi Alonso off the back of that phenomenon? Yeah, I mean, I think he was the first one to kind of point out that last season, you know, coming in as an interim coach in October, after they were like 17th, he needed to stabilize defense. And it wasn't sort of like everybody thought, oh, Chabi Alonso is going to come in and going to play, you know, uh, death by possession as, 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 as it was once mislabeled. Um, but they, they, they became, I think in some ways, this Bayern game was very reminiscent of a lot of their games last season, where they would try to control and then hit hit you with counterattackers. Um and and that that worked against a lot of the sides last season. Um and then I think as the recruitment and particularly like, you know, Granit Xhaka, Alex Rimaldo, Jonas Hoffman, now Nathan Teller as well, Boniface as well were added, um, then you have a lot more of the in possession ideas which which were added. So um, that's obviously the major changes that they're able to dominate teams. And I think obviously the mentality, right? I mean, Leverkusen in, in some ways where, I mean, they're famous for, um, you know, the, the winning mentality, perhaps uh, not being the strong suits, I guess I'm trying to be diplomatic about it. But I, I, I wrote a piece about uh, this, a, this a week ago uh, about why this team is different. And, and I think the, the simple answer, it's probably just Chabi Alonso and, 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 um, and he and he has finally like brought this mentality where where they know where they expect uh, that late goal and they expect that they're going to dominate most of the teams. But as you saw in, in the Bayern game, they also know that they're they're like basically willing to uh, sacrifice. I think I think Alonso even used the word sacrifice in English in, in, the, in his otherwise German press conference as well. Um, about this and so so those are those are all things like i think i think it's it's just sort of a total uh package uh in that sense yeah you've mentioned the players that were brought in in the summer and it's clear as you said the big part of the success this season has been finding player profiles that fit his plan 
How encouraged would you say Liverpool should be about this fact? Because they are a team who've made smart recruitment fundamentals to their approach in the last decade. So presumably they'll, they'll be looking at the way that Alonso's brought these players in. And yes, okay, they're they're good, uh, they're good signings, they're good um, fits for the system. But also those players have to fit in in largely like different contexts. A lot of them moving from different countries. So Liverpool will be presumably pretty um, positive about that aspect of his um, of his coaching career. Yeah, and, and obviously, you know, a big part of the credit goes to um, like Fernando Caro, the CEO, and Simon Rolfes, um, and, and some of the other people in recruitment as well who, I mean, I mean, they, they said that these were the, that their number one targets, so they've pretty much managed to get all, all of them, um, and, and they were uh, in talks with Alonso about squad planning, and, you know, this is the first time that he, got, he had gotten that chance, I think, at, at really um, any level. Um, so, but, but he also... I don't like. There was never any talk of like, well, I need player X or I need player Z, and 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 he's that, that we didn't get the sense that he's like making these demands. And so I think all of that is really really uh, encouraging if you are Liverpool because I mean the recruitment it's been obviously um, excellent over the years, but but there's been and I'm sure Danny will uh, speak about this more. But there's been this feeling of well, it's now Klopp and 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 Linders increasingly having having more say. But in that sense, I think Alonso doesn't strike me in that sense. Like in that sense, he's probably closer to like a Carlo Ancelotti, um, whose influence I think is is almost always kind of underrated when it, like probably in terms of demeanor and, and how he carries himself, and but also in terms of how he fits into a club. Um, I think there there's a lot more similarities uh, in that sense. Yeah, I think obviously I would said there about about the recruitment uh, very much at Liverpool was a model where Klopp worked under Michael Edwards. And then obviously I think there's been a lot said about that, especially recently that it, Klopp took more and more power. And that kind of is maybe what forced Edwards to pursue other things. I think the at this po- point in time, the manager is secondary because Liverpool don't even have a sporting director at this point. It has just been Klopp and then he'd had Schmadka come in who was basically just a guy that negotiated the people that Klopp wanted. So how uh, what situation Alonso comes into or if it's Alonso, whatever manager might it will be completely different where I think we'll see more of that structure again. So how he how the new manager works under that and how Alonso works under that is key and I, th- I do think from what I've seen of Alonso, that he's happy to work under that structure so he does fit that mould. Let's just talk quickly about the tactics themselves. We'll start with the in-possession ideas because that's what everyone gets excited about. Um, There's been a lot of throwaway descriptions of how Leverkusen play running around on the internet since Alonso was linked to the Liverpool job. Abel, how would you describe Alonso's Leverkusen this season? Yeah, that's a fantastic question to answer uh, in... in uh, like um, under a minute or so. Yeah, I think um, the best one is probably that, um, you know, they, they're they able to like achieve really like everything that you want in a sort of in position in that like they are sort of, they have positional ideas and have very clear patterns of progression, but it does become more like, relationist or, or sort of freer flowing. And definitely you, you notice these in, um, I, even just in the 2024 games, um, I've got like hundreds of these <laughs> little slides and screen, screen grabs of, of how they're basically just, sometimes you'll have like nine players on one side and then like uh, one player completely on the other side. And earlier in the season, it wasn't that pronounced. 
Um, and and so the other one is that the way they progress is, is, is that once um, it's not very uh, direct, it's but it also has like the passing and, and the, the, the speed of it um, can be breathtaking in terms of passing speed. But they do manage to progress in a way that the team always remains connected. So when they lose it um, and, and it doesn't always happen, then they're always in these great positions to counterpress. Uh, and that's what he's primary. I mean, that's probably the, the the Guardiola Bayern. I mean, he was part of those teams. Uh, when and that there's the very, there's a lot of um, similarities in in that sense. Um, and then there's also a lot of really cool things that he does with Grimaldo. Or I did that probably sometimes. I think Alonso also says it's Grimaldo doing it on his own. That he's you know like 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 three four different profiles in one player. Uh, and then the way those players interact with with Chaka, with and with with Wirtz, and then you know obviously you have the other side with with Hoffman or Nathan Tella or or, or Frimpong as well, and then like kind of whoever the striker is now. There's there's various different like I mean there's like five iterations now now that uh, Borja Iglesias is on the team or whether it's Adli in a, in a more counterattacking way or or Schick uh, in a different sort of way. So yeah, it's 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 I mean it's really hard to like find any fault with it. And I mean, even the games where they don't win, it's like, it needs like an act of God or like some un, un, ungodly uh, XG numbers that they put up and they, they don't score. Uh, but, but that, that happened, I think three or four times so far this season. Um, so, and they've, they've also gotten like really, really good at um, these kind of mentality wins, uh, which, which we saw a little bit more of uh, in, in 2020. For, and I think a lot of that is like how he's managing the squad in terms of, you know, rotating in Europe and, and making those subs early and using everyone. So, uh, but but I do, I do think that the in possession is is obviously the most aesthetically pleasing part of it. And for Liverpool, I think that's probably also the most appealing thing because it's it's I think you know I mean watched a fair amount of it. I'm sure Danny can talk about this more. But that's that that's that's almost always like I mean really with any club team. Um, it's almost always, I don't want to say secondary, but it's, but it's probably not the most focused aspect. Yeah, so let's move on then to talk a little bit about the out-of-possession aspect because uh, that will be important for Liverpool. Um, the thing that stood out for me in particular in the game against Bayern was the some of the out-of-possession ideas that Alonso was able to implement to keep Bayern quiet, which is impressive when you see the, the front three they had out. So how important do you think the out-of-possession aspect is going to be for Alonso to succeed at the highest level, not just at Liverpool? Yeah, obviously. I mean, you, I mean, I'm talking to you, so uh, I'm aware of I'm aware of my audience in that sense. But uh, I've set you up there. I've set you up. And you've uh, you better say yeah, you've, yes. It's important. You've uh, you've you've also done a really good uh, thread on 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 this this setup in in that game. And but I also think that like there was a lot more nuance to it in in the way that he set up in 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 this Bayern game where it wasn't like like it was man to man in the high press but then when when Bayern had established possession they had this really really good like I call uh, Konstantin Ekner has the idea of harmonica as the way to describe their in possession but I always thought that like um their their out of possession sort of movement was very harmonized so like whenever like say the the right center back would have the ball then then you you actually wouldn't have someone jumping in but you would you would try to screen the the midfield too so that um, Jaka and Andrich wouldn't wouldn't ha- wouldn't need to jump; they could just sit on like the, whoever was in the half space. And Bayern actually did a good job of rotating the players into there, but they could like the, the center backs almost never had a direct pass. 
Um, and then once they just moved it around, they were like Leverkusen also was able to shift in the way that um, then 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 in that in the way that um, you you'd have one of the strikers tuck in on the the far six, and then you just swing around like like a little bit like a that's why I said harmonica or or pendulum in some ways. Um, and then you'd also free up someone to double uh, that that uh, the near side. Um, half space receiver so one of the sixes would, would would be able to do it and then they would they would also harmonize it with with the like basically um Tapsoba and Hinkapie being able to jump those and and then they took away the like diagonals as well to to Bayern where because I, I to give you an idea of a little bit of the detail into the planning like they knew that Harry Kane will never going to be is never going to be the guy who's going to be hit long and go and you over top to him like you know he's got he's dropping so you can play off of him and you know Tantau was almost always sweeping up these you know whenever the diagonal run Sané made or or Bowie or whoever else he was always he could always help off of Kane so like there was a lot of really really cool stuff that they did and, and Tuchel did uh, credit them as well and I mean I think some of it was Bayern's center back execution as well but I would say like 95 percent of the credit should just be to that front three, you know, Wirtz and, and Tella and Adli, and picking those three instead of like maybe a more obvious choice like Patrick Schick was also interesting. Picking, you know, Stanisic as, as a wing back and not, not Frimpong, who, who, I mean, that was, I would say, even say um, controversial in some ways. But I mean, it all went flawlessly. So, um, and you did it in the biggest game. So I think if you're a Liverpool fan and, and, and if Xavi Alonso is indeed to go there, then you have to be enormously excited about how they're able to do it to to the team that nobody does it to in Germany. One final question on Xabi Alonso, and then we'll move on to talk about Liverpool. But in planning this episode, I asked you what it was that you wanted to talk about in particular, and you made it pretty clear that you were really impressed with the man management skills that Alonso possesses. So what have you noticed about the way that he works with players and, and how do you think this will help him overcome a transition to a different club? Yeah, I think I think it's it's impressive. Like, and I'm it's not just me; it's the players. Like, every week there's another. Like this week, it was the Czech players who, who talked about that in an interview about the detail. But you know, typically, I think when we think of great management management players like Ancelotti, those those coaches are usually like not necessarily involved directly in being on the pitch on training, right? Um, or Sir Alex, right? And you have, I mean, in English, you have this, this distinction between a manager and a head coach, right? Uh, but Alonso is, is almost always there on the pitch, but he's also doing this great man-manager thing. So, so I think that's where his experience comes in. And that's where his humility comes in, that, that he's, you know, he's treating everyone the same, like he's, he's utilizing the staff. Um, he is, he's, you know, like the way he, I mean, the way he is using two different teams for uh, different competitions, but he's managing, like everyone is pretty happy with him. Like you didn't see anyone, you haven't heard anything, anybody complain. Like Adam Plozak, who barely plays, he was like, oh, I'm really, really excited to to, to come on for a few minutes and, and be part of the success. You never heard Andrich, who, who, you know, hasn't played a lot. But by now, when 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 he was needed for to cover Palacios, he, he had a, he had an just he had a great game to to set up the first goal. So like all of these little things, or Nathan Tella, how he's come on where, where he wasn't a starter for the first few months. Um, or, or you should see Adli, how he's come back. Like all of these, you know, it's, it's just, or Stanisic who was ignored in who didn't get playing time. I mean, all of these are little signs that whoever's ready uh, is able to step up. And that's almost always a reflection on the head coach. Danny, let's talk a little bit about what's going on at Liverpool right now. Um, this is obviously a fraught question and there can be no good answer here, but how are you feeling about Jurgen Klopp leaving the club in terms of where the club are at at this point in time in particular? 
Yeah, I mean, a lot better than I did when I first went onto Twitter and saw this untitled video and watched it in public and felt like I'd been hit by a bus. Um, <laughs> it's very much been like the five stages of grief bar probably anger and I, I think I'm now at acceptance like <laughs> it's devastating that like Klopp is leaving like it's been nine years now it's like uh, I mean I've grown up with my dad telling me about Liverpool winning everything and how he was there and he saw all these amazing teams and I had to witness the slip and Roy Hodgson's Liverpool <laughs> and all this so like the, the things that Klopp has done for for like younger Liverpool fans and just the the, the fan base in general is, is amazing and I think it's got to a stage where you're more accepting of okay he's going out on his own terms you don't want it to get to a point where it's like maybe a, a, a Wenger at Arsenal where it's getting toxic so yeah I think the more that you have time to to think about it and, and settle on it I think it, it's too early for me <laughs> But and there was never going to be a good time. But I think I'm glad that he's going out on his own terms, and I think that he is doing it because he believes the squad is at a place where it can grow with someone else, and it doesn't have to be him. And I think that's the biggest thing about it. Yeah, yeah, and I suppose there's an argument to be made that, as you've already mentioned, a lot of the big club dynasties end up getting rid of a manager at the wrong point in time. You must be feeling as though, no, as you said, no time is a good time. But this is probably one of the better times for him to make that decision. Yeah, I think so. Like he said it himself, how he couldn't have left last season when it was a mess, and now this season, I think everything's ahead of schedule for him, for the fans. Like, no, I don't think most people expected this to be. I know it's very close up at the top, but we're top of the league at the time of recording. We're going deep in four competitions. The new signings have settled in. Academy players have stepped up younger players are now taking more of a senior role like everything's kind of accelerated in this past six months to the point where you're like okay maybe an Alonso can come in and shape this younger squad to how he wants it it doesn't have to be Klopp whereas I think at the start of this season even before the announcements in in my head in most people's heads you'd have been like okay this is very much Klopp's journey Klopp talked about Liverpool 2.0 we all thought that meant with him it doesn't, but the squad is in a place where it can be shaped to someone else's image, I think. I don't think it's purely a, a Klopp squad. Yeah, you've mentioned the squad there, so let's talk a little bit about it now. So, as you say, the current iteration of the team has been dubbed Liverpool 2.0 because of the big rebuild project that the club are, are undergoing. And it sounds as though you think that's actually going quite well. So how do you feel about the state of the squad going into next summer? Yeah, I think very positive. I think there was four signings in the summer. There probably could have been more, but they were all of decent profile age-wise, bar Endo, who was kind of a means to an end, but also has been excellent in his, his time in the club. So like the major, a large proportion of this squad are 25 and under. You've got Trent and McAllister are 25, Gakpo, Nunes, Kanati are 24. I am very now aware that I am with a Hungarian on the podcast and I'm about to pronounce Soboslai in a Scottish accent. But you've got him and Jones, 23, Gravenberg and Kwanzaa, 21, and then you've got like the younger Elliot Bradley, Bajetic. Like, there's so much of this squad that are under 25 and are performing week in, week out. And then even the older players like Alison, Salah, Van Dyke, 
are not at the very end. It still feels like they've got quite a bit to give. So I think the squad makeup is really nice of youth, uh, youth growing talent and experience. And I think there was a lot tactically wrong with the club, which I'm sure we'll go on to last season that has been fixed this season. Not fully, there are still very much work in progress parts. But yeah, I think I think everyone's just kind of stepped up a level this year um, to the point where you'd be happy entirely with that squad with maybe minor tweaks in the summer. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Let's talk a little bit about some of those tactical issues then that you mentioned, because as you say, um, no doubt a lot of the out-of-possession issues that were faced last season have been solved in the transfer market this season by basically uh, overturning the central midfield in particular. But I guess there's still some questions about some of the in-possession ideas that you're using at the moment. It feels as though Liverpool almost going back to the beginning of uh, uh, in terms of what Klopp was trying to introduce when he first arrived uh, and then maybe moved away from some of those ideas. It feels maybe though, as though they've introduced a few of those early ideas back into the team as well so I guess the the big question for me here is like how important do you think it is for Liverpool to use this as an opportunity to get a new coach in to solve some of these outstanding tactical issues and what do you think those uh, outstanding tactical issues maybe are? Yeah I do think obviously the biggest theme of of Liverpool's tactics is, is Trent right and he's the biggest question mark about what you do with him because he wants to come inside he cannot really be left isolated as a fullback because he's weak one-on-one and that was a big issue of why he and I know you talked about it a lot he originally inverted as just like a this more like general inverting fullback that didn't really work but it's kind of had an evolution to the point where he's influencing games. There are still issues with how much space there is in transition out wide against Liverpool. It's very easy to break down the wings. But, I mean, he's overall in a positive impact on the team and affecting games and attack. So I think what you do with him is the biggest question mark. And, yeah, Liverpool have changed a lot it's since Klopp first got there. So like at the start, you had very smart pressers and you had Firmino, Mane, people that could shut down teams right away. Now they kind of let teams come into central midfield before they jump on the press because you have Nunes, Diaz, who aren't as smart with the pressing. And that has its drawbacks because if you break through that, it can leave us exposed. Like the We don't play with an actual defensive midfielder as as very well profiled. So like if you break through that initial midfield press it's very easy to find space out wide I think those are the biggest question marks in in possession I don't really have any drawbacks about the side I think generally they create a lot of chances they score a lot of goals there's such depth in attack even with players that like it'll get a, a general theme of this even is that maybe we're struggling 60 70 minutes not winning a game but you can bring on Harvey Elliott, who's won a lot of games. You've got Gakpo, who can offer a different role to Nunes. Nunes might be on the bench and come on and cause the chaos that we all know he can. You've got Jota, who's just this elite finisher when he wants to be. So 
I think it is the out of possession stuff, which has always been secondary to Klopp, right? It's always been a tool of attacking is that he presses high, but in like settled defence, we've always looked a bit vulnerable. He very much relies on the fact that you have Allison, who's an elite shot stopper. You have Van Dijk, who is an elite centre-back. You had Fabinho, who was an elite defensive midfielder and a lone pivot, but his legs got ran into the ground. So it's always been slightly, maybe unfairly, I'm saying this, more on the individuals making a difference rather than like a structured system that stops attacks. So I think that is the biggest thing for whatever coach comes in tactically to solve. I guess the, there's an argument to be made that the Premier League is becoming more transitional, in, in particularly in this season. And that's obviously something that's going to uh, suit Liverpool. But I, I suppose looking back at the game against Arsenal, which, again, sorry to bring up so many um, horrible scenarios for you here, but in that, in that game it felt as though you weren't able to play your more transitional direct uh, attacking um, style because you were missing certain key personnel for that and that meant that you had to try and build up against one of the best out possession teams in the world um, do you think that that's an, an area where you would want a, to see a new coach be may, maybe being able to add something in terms of control in possession I think that's certainly an element it's always felt like of like the well certainly in, in the last like year or so that Klopp's very much the opposite of the other coaches in the top six, maybe bar Postacoglu this season, whereas he's not too bothered about fully controlling a football game. He likes the chaoticness of it. And Liverpool can struggle against like that. Like you said, that Arsenal game was probably the worst game I've seen us play in a long, long time. But without like Saboslai, without Salah, we weren't able to structure anything and you don't ha- then have the players that have like those moments of magic that can unlock that defence. So I think, yeah, I think breaking down like settled, I mean, Arsenal are the, probably the best in class at settled defence, right? So how much we can take out of a game where we didn't have Salah, we didn't have Sabozlai is a question mark. But I think, yes, it, it is a, it is a worry sometimes when teams sit up and we do look very stagnant and like we don't really know how to break down this two banks of four or this back five because there's no space and Liverpool's attackers love to run in behind. And if they can't do that, it then becomes very shoot outside the box. And I think well, the last time I checked, Liverpool had far and away more shots outside the box than any team this season. And you have... Trent and I suppose like who for as good at long shooting as they are, it just becomes so mind numbing to watch them try this over and over and over again instead of trying to like structure an attack instead. So obviously, getting a new coaching gives the gives you the opportunity to maybe change up the the tactical approach. So, out of interest, what do you think the best tactical approach could be for the personnel that you have in your squad right now? It's a it's a difficult question. I have been trying to think about it. Um, since you said because all I could think of from like this summer the season after is that Klopp would be in charge and it would be very much the the same key themes I think some of the themes of the squad will need to remain like pressing is a huge part of Liverpool's game and creating attack or, or kind of like not artificially but manufacturing moments of transition yourself it's something that Liverpool have been very good at and it kind of works into the squad. So if you think of Salah, Darwin, even Luis Diaz, Saboslai, they all thrive in that tra- transitional play. So I think there still needs to be some element of that within the team. 
but also you do now have more players maybe suited to like that settled structured attacking so like McAllister's come from a very structured tactical system Trent has only ever known Klopp as a coach in a senior setting really but it seems like he could be suited to it too depending on where you use him so yeah I think Liverpool have so many wide attackers that width and attack from wingers coming inside is, is a big part of it too so I think I'd like them to be more tactically diverse like you said and be more thoughtful in structured attacks but I still think that whoever comes in needs to make use of, of high turnovers and, and creating those moments of transition. Yeah, we're obviously focusing on Xabi Alonso today and we're going to talk about him in a little bit more detail in the next section. But, I mean, it sounds to me as though you're, you're talking about maybe Roberto De Zerbi would be a, would be a de- decent option at, at Liverpool. What are the other coaches that you think could be a good fit for, for the Liverpool squad? Yeah, I think he's the one that's kind of come up second most. I mean, it's all been very Alonso-dominated, but yeah. I, I really like... Roberto De Zerbe, as you know, I follow Italian football, so I was very familiar with his Sassuolo team. I really like him, but I don't even... Tactically, yes, but there's something that feels off with the fit. I don't know what it is with with, with the club. It's more of like a human thing, and that's nothing against De Zerbe, the character. I don't know much about him. It just doesn't feel... He doesn't feel like a Liverpool coach to me. Um... And it feels like maybe too much of a pivot to the other way straight away. Like you're you're asking this squad that's played one way of football for a long time to then play the completely different way of football. So I hadn't I'm not a huge fan of the Zerbe. I think uh Amarim at Sporting is also a name that's come up that kind of is, is, is nice in my head just from what I've seen at Sporting. Like he's won league titles, he's got deep in European competitions, he's created a youth of a culture of bringing youth through, which is something that Klopp's done very well at the club. And he is kind of a mix between two the two styles of football. And I think he's got the also the the man management culture thing with fans that that Klopp created. So he's a name that I, I quite like. Uh, I know on your sensible transfers you said Nagelsmann which is something I'm not totally against but I don't think timeline wise it can fit because just Germany are in the Euros Liverpool will need a coach that comes in way before the Euros starts so I can't see them unless we have some sort of Lopetegui abandon your country just before they need your situation I can't really see it being him um I am actually surprised Linders is leaving and it's not being given the chance I had that was going to be a thing in my head. And maybe if Klopp had stayed an extra year, an extra two, he would. But there had been so much. felt like he was being groomed to take the role, right? So he, Klopp's spoken a lot about how Klopp's quite hands-off now. He used to be very hands-on. Linders takes most of the, the coaching sessions. Linders basically has a big say in recruitment. I think it's kind of well-documented that Gakpo and Gravenberch are very... Linder's influenced and you have him taking press conferences for cup competitions it felt like it was going to be him and I know he'd had like a poor managerial stint at at NEC in the Eredivisie I think it was but it did feel like maybe he was being groomed so I am surprised he's leaving but 
a clean break might be better for everyone. So I think of those names. There's obviously one that I would have picked in Postacoglu, but that's not going to happen because he's not going to move after one year <laughs> at Tottenham. So we ended the previous section talking about the importance of man management. And I think as a Liverpool fan, you'll know better than most about how important a, a coach's ability to work with personalities is for any successful running of a club. So talk to us a little bit about how important it is for Liverpool to replace Klopp with someone who's able to work with people in a similar way to the way that he does. Yeah, massive. I think Abel touched on it before when he was speaking about Alonso, where he says he can get the most out of even players in the squad that come on for a few minutes and everyone's happy. That's very much what Klopp created at Liverpool, right? I think the only player he really fell out with was Mamadou Sacco right at the start. Like, Origi used to have very minimal game time with a huge impact. You have, like, Harvey Elliott this season who doesn't tend to start many games but has a huge impact when he comes on. He's happy. I know he's a younger player just trying to get minutes, but kind of the same situation. I think the human aspect to who comes after Klopp is so big. And I can't speak for other fan bases, but it does feel very necessary to Liverpool fans, like that connection and how he connects with his players and the culture of it all. Like Klopp was kind of just perfect in that sense. Like he couldn't have symbolised a fan base better the way he spoke, his values very much connected with what Liverpool fans like. So, and I think if you look at, like managers in the past that haven't worked at Liverpool, they've been quite standoffish. So like Rogers' downfall was that he didn't connect with fans. He did not connect with the players. Uh, Hodgson was just an awful fit in general, but the way he spoke, the way he spoke about players, etc., the fans turned against him because of that. You need someone that's going to put his arm around the players. You need someone that's going to, to really like galvanize them at all times like Klopp wrongfully or rightfully will always have the back of his players he'll always take the blame he'll always make excuses for them to the point where he gets like laughed at like the grass is too long etc but it takes it away from the players right so yeah that human element that man management thing is feels so big for, for this disappointment well, let's move on to the final section. I've got Xabi Pool written on my on my notes here, but we are talking about what Xabi Alonso's Liverpool could possibly look like. Um, Abel, we'll go back to you um, on this one, but I suppose one of the traps that people fall into when assessing manager fit is just assuming that the best replacement for a coach is exactly the same sort of profile of coach that is being replaced. So, Abel, what do you think are the most important aspects of Xabi Alonso's profile and career so far that should be taken into account if Liverpool are assessing him as a potential coach? Yeah, I was like, when you uh, read that sort of question or the prompt, it reminded me of Dortmund who like kind of fell into that, right? Like replacing Klopp, right? Like they've been sort of trying to uh, uh, have that profile and, and I mean, I wouldn't say it's been successful. Uh, so yeah, I would say um, like, there's there's a lot there's a lot of things with Alonso. I don't think that's necessarily like one thing, but it's just more like the holistic nature of of his profile, which which like first of all, just his connection is like to, to Liverpool as a player, and like you know people have these memories of him, so so he's got that sort of instant um, buy-in. Um, I think obviously like the experience that he has at as a player, but but now as as a coach as well. Like so, I think you know should he win the Bundesliga? Um, or, or like even uh, the the German Cup as well, that that would 
I mean, I don't think you need to sell him, <laughs> I guess, in, in that way. But um, so, so, but, but, but just in the sense that, that he is winning things like that, that that's definitely uh, an important thing. Um, I would say just the way he, like this quick progression, I think is, 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 is that I mentioned in the first segment about how he's definitely not like a linear developer, but, but much a guy who's skipping steps. And I think we've seen this with, I mean, there's probably more Premier League coaches now who fall into that category than, than the ones who are just kind of uh, going step by step. Um, and then I also mentioned like how he handles the media. Like it's, there's very few people like, and even like, I don't know, politicians can't do this well, uh, that, that they are polite, but they get their way and they remain authentic. Like that's, that's, that, that's just such a, such a huge skill. Um, in, in a way. And I think just, just that like everything comes easy to him leadership, but it's not. And like a, it's about me type of leadership. It's, it's more about sort of facilitating the players. And you see this, like how he interacts with players, see how he conducts himself. Like he, he talks about that a lot in, in the interviews. Um, and he definitely understand that part of it. I think that that's where I think he's more similar to um, Ancelotti. But then he also talks about how, you know he's he's gonna stand up for his players. He's gonna he's gonna protect them like like a Mourinho. So he mentioned that in, in one of the interviews that he did with Leverkusen. So like all of those things, and then obviously um, the tactical aspects, which I mean this season is the perfect uh, example of how those are bearing fruit. And that ability that I mentioned before of of, of fitting into an existing system and and being able to work with like the staff that's com- comprised of five, six different elements that were there before and the same ways in recruitment as well. Um, but also he, he talks about how he's not like, he is obsessed with football and he is like sort of thinking about this 24-7, but, but then he's also like the family element of it. And then he is sometimes able to switch off. So it's, it's, it's a very sort of composed, um, holistic approach that uh, I think all of those things would be like, this is the perfect fit at Liverpool. Yeah, Danny, I'll maybe tweak the question a little bit for you in terms of um, what are the things that you would like to know about Xabi Alonso that would make you feel safer or better with him coming in as a coach? Are there particular areas that you're thinking, okay, I like the idea of Alonso, but I'd like to know a little bit more about this or that aspect before I'm going to be completely happy? Yeah, I think all of that kind of would be about how he views some of the Liverpool squad or the makeup of the squad. So, like, the big question for me would be, Trent Alexander-Arnold is so unique. How are you going to use him? Like, what position do you see him in? I know there's been a lot online about, like, Trent is could be Alonso's Grimaldo, but they're two very different players, right? It's not football's not like that you can't just slot him into that role and pretend that he's going to do the things that Grimaldo does like Trent Alexander-Arnold has his massive upsides he has his massive downsides how does he see the fact that there's no natural defensive midfielder in the squad does he how would he do that I know he uses two kind of pivot players at, at Leverkusen currently but how does he see that in the Liverpool context how do you see Darwin Nunez? He's a big question mark. There was a lot of money invested in him. Is he, to you, like someone that comes in off the left? Is he a central attacker? So I think everything I have question-wise around Alonso is more how he sees the squad. I think, as Abel has said, like 
watching him in interviews, watching how he speaks about his players, about his own ideas, it all makes you feel very reassuring that he's a very confident and confident in his own ideas person who will adapt, who can adapt. He talks about his upbringing really well. Um, he's obviously... He's in a weird place where he's... I wouldn't call him a club legend at Liverpool, right? Because there's so many, but he's very highly regarded at the club, which helps. So how does he use that? So there are questions, I think. But yeah, mainly mainly on certain aspects of the squad and how he would see them. Yeah, Abel, it might be interesting to throw some of those back at you and, and say, how do you think that Xabi Alonso would answer those questions? How do you think that, that his Liverpool would look in light of the fact that we are talking about a, a squad where the best player is probably moving away from being Mohamed Salah and becoming Trent Alexander-Arnold. What is he going to do in a squad where they don't have a you know a sort of classic six profile and uh, and and you know issues with respect to Darwin Nunes as well? How do you, you know, get a player who's massive upside into that team in in a way that emphasizes that upside and maybe mitigates a bit of the downside as well um do you want to hazard a guess at what what the way that he might come across and answer those questions because it's not the case that he's just going to try and impose Leverkusen's 3-4-3 onto onto Liverpool right no I don't I don't ever like think of him as as dogmatic I mean I think just like Though, I mean, he's, he's talked about this in the videos right like of that he doesn't really care about these formations he cares about sort of Finding the free player and movement, and uh, and and giving the freedom, uh, and I don't has never been any indication uh, from him that uh, he there's people that he can't work with or or that there's you know people that he can't implement. So um, yeah, I, I mean I, I'm not sure. Like I, I in terms of how would he implement Trent Alexander Arnold or where would he find uh, a role for him like that's for him and like the staff to to figure out but i think there's enough evidence that he like it's not like the the so like the Leverkusen squad that was assembled like okay everybody thought that okay these are good transfers and they'll compete like even they like in their own official magazine they're like well, we're going to compete for champions league and everybody thought that that's sort of respectable you know ambitious like you know Chabilonzo coming in last season like that's kind of where they finished if you if you look at the, the table under him so um but but he's been able to like exploit that upside um so i would say like he wouldn't i think he's he also like is smart enough to like not and and doesn't have the personality to be like completely overhaul anything and that's why i meant about sort of fitting in so i think it's it's it'd probably be like a little bit less focused on these personnel or tactical um, issues and and I think I mean I'm f- for sure like on my end I, I I probably overrate those aspects to um, some of the things about just being likable being being a leader and being affected and and having that that clout which 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 he certainly has so I think it's it's more more that 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 would be for me like the emphasis and not necessarily sort of can he figure out you know I mean that's I think I think there's enough evidence that that he can just based on the players that he has. And yeah, I mean, it's not the same pressure. I mean, Leverkusen, you know, there's not a lot of pressure at all. So, but he's also not a guy who has ever been really phased by pressure, I think. Yeah, and it's, it's worth saying as well that he has used different structures and different approaches at the different clubs that he's been at. I think um, 
using a 433 ideas at, at um, Real Sociedad, obviously playing very differently last season at Leverkusen to this season at Leverkusen. So you would think off the back of that that what we what we should expect to see from Alonso is is a degree of flexibility and to be surprised by what the the lineup looks like should he be coaching uh, Liverpool for the opening day of next season, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say like in terms of uh, lineups, like there there is like this, I thought like there's also like not that much you need to do with the squad. Like, I mean, I think like you know get it like having a retooled midfield as as Danny mentioned with, with with all these like young players who have massive upside still and then you still have like a Salah and, and then like a, a ridiculous talent of forwards and then you have like probably two of the best center backs in the world in Konate and Van Dijk and, and so so it's like then you have like a Connor Bradley who we didn't even mention who who, who looks like in some some ways like he's he's better than Trent Alexander Arnold in, in some uh, phases of the game, like intensity and, and, and like maybe a more complete player. So I don't, I don't think like that's a particularly like tough thing to, to solve. Um, I think it's one of those kind of good problems as, 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 as they say. So I, I don't, I mean, I think getting, to, I think if you talk to like really any coach, it's like getting to that point where you, you're offered the Liverpool job where you're like the number one candidate um, they're like, well, well, just take that and then like figure out the rest, especially when at this time, like, like as, as, as you guys have mentioned, where, where Klopp has left this club in such a great state. And I think there is like definitely, um, uh, uh, talking about authenticity and ownership and responsibility. Like there's definitely that element to Klopp leaving on his own terms is like making sure that he's been a good steward and, and hands it off in a, in a way that's, uh, that, that's, that's the club is now like in a successful transition and it's back to, um, you know, being a title contender and, and, and all of that. Danny, do you have any take on what Xabi Alonso's Liverpool would look like? Yeah, I mean, I think so much of the discussion got caught up that, okay, Leverkusen look like this, Liverpool will look like this. like, And that's ignoring such a big part of Alonso's career. Like you said, I went back and watched some of that Sociedad like early days and he's using a 4-3-3, 4-2-3-1. He's using his wingers staying wide like Liverpool like to do in possession. He's progressing through the middle. He has been flexible and adjusted to the situations he's been in while keeping his core principles. And I think you then look at the Liverpool squad and it it is very flexible to kind of what a coach, like I've mentioned before, but like you have a lot of players that can do different things. So like Sabozla played a bunch of different positions for his national team for Leipzig. For Liverpool, he's a central midfielder, but in the past he's played on the right-hand side of an attack. He's played on the left. He's played through the middle. You have Harvey Elliott who can play in the middle. You can have him on the right wing. You have McAllister who can be an advanced midfielder or a, a double pivot player. Like There's so much flexibility within the squad that Alonso can kind of make it whatever he sees fit and how he wants to get his ideas across. There doesn't have to be like a set system here or a set formation. I think Klopp's always gone for a 4-3-3 at Liverpool, but like he didn't at, at, at Dortmund, right? It was 4-2-3-1 was his famous Dortmund team. And then he he didn't really try and implement that at Liverpool right away. Like He noticed there were different things and that's what coaches do. So I think it's just how he interprets different players is how we'll see. 
like Abel said, we hadn't even mentioned Connor Bradley, who looks like this. He looks like younger Robertson on the right-hand side, an Irish, right? That's what he is. He's so full of energy, so good at going down the outside, overlapping, sending wide crosses into the box. It's the complete opposite of what Trent's been doing of coming inside. Like, can you fit both of them in the same team? I mean, maybe, maybe not. That's up for Alonso to, or whoever comes in, of course, to like decide. But I think a lot of the questions about the squad are good questions. Like, we're not, the only real problem areas is probably left back because Robertson's getting older. And then maybe left wing about what you do there because Diaz has had struggles coming back from injury. But even then, you've got Nunez, got Jota, who can play there too. So, yeah, I think there are good, most of the questions are good. It's just how a manager interprets the different players he's got. But I would expect, and this is a really, like, I'm just going to, I think that the squad is suited to four at the back. I don't really think right now it's suited to a three at the back system just because unless there's recruitment and centre-back, there's not the depth, there's not really the, you've only got three fit ones right now, Matip's, probably done at Liverpool just with the extent of his injury so unless there was major recruitment in that area I think just the, the squad setup is set for a four in the, four in the back kind of system well we could carry on talking about Xabi Alonso's Liverpool all day long I'm sure we would enjoy that it's been great having both of you on of course but maybe the biggest test to end this podcast with is to ask a Liverpool fan about how they would feel about this so Danny would you be happy if Liverpool appointed Xabi Alonso as manager this summer Yes, yeah, I would. I think of all the options that I have come across, he's the one I feel best about. I think there are obvious question marks as to the fact that he's only been a senior manager or like a fully senior manager because Sociedad be playing the, the senior leagues since October last year. Like, is this too quick? But is there a perfect time for like any manager to come in to replace Klopp? Probably not. If we were sitting here and Klopp was leaving just after um, Gerard had left Rangers and gone to Villa, we'd probably be speaking about Gerard coming in, and that went completely to pot. So I think just the, the assurance of Alonso's ideas when he talks and the evidence that we've seen on the pitch, I think, yes. Um, I mean, it helps that he played for Liverpool. I don't think we should use that as a reason to appoint him. It might help other fans, but it's not something you can overly look at. But just the fact that, yeah, I think of all the evidence of the way he speaks, the football we see on the pitch, his career trajectory, sorry, yes, he's the best option out there right now. And I think if we went and appointed him, I would feel good about it. Well, guys, thank you so much for coming on today. Abel, you are on Twitter at Bundesabel, which is Bundesliga, but with A-B-E-L instead of Liga. Uh, and Danny, you're at Calcio underscore Danny. Calcio as in uh, the Italian word for football. Thank you both so much for coming on. And yeah, it was going to be really fun to see whether or not we do get to see the, an iteration of Jabi Paul uh, come next season. Thank you.